how like cows will die if you don't milk them. Like if that's how you feel about like having something to say and getting it out there. Like if I don't live a life where I am doing that, I am going to die. That's mm. how you know you have to do it. That is that is absolutely how I have felt my whole entire life, you know. And I and I went about trying to make my voice heard in so many different ways from theater when I was a kid and trying to do it when I was in college to writing to eventually to podcasting and podcasting was the one that worked for anybody who is just slogging away in an unfulfilling soul-sucking nine-to-five job you bought into that conditioning of the world that says the only way to a reliable income is to play the game you got to climb the ladder you got to kiss the right butts you got to say the right things to the right people and most importantly you know when you can't express yourself and when you have to bite your tongue and certainly i did it for two decades you can make a great living that way but it becomes unsustainable especially if you're a person who knows that you have a gift a message a creative spark within you that you want to share with the world of course the problem becomes can i get paid to authentically be myself. Our guest today would say, hell yes. I'm going to introduce you to my old college buddy, Patrick Hines. He is the host of the wildly successful True Crime Obsessed podcast. Coming up this week, he's going to tell us about his transformation out of the hospitality industry into one of the leaders in the true crime podcasting space. And he's going to share that the most marketable and profitable skill that you have is your knowledge, your passion, and your authentic personality. This is an awesome interview. You're going to love it. Welcome to episode 127 of Life Amplified. My name is Dan Mason. In 2012, I was overweight, getting divorced, battling depression, and feeling trapped in a career where I was successful but bored and unfulfilled. And it's actually the greatest gift I've ever been given. I used my pain as a springboard to discover my life's purpose. Now, I want to share the same tools and strategies which help transform my life with you. So you can live Life Amplified. Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, to be yourself in a world that's constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment. And isn't it funny that most of us were conditioned to do the opposite? Early from childhood, you were told that you had to be a, quote, good boy, good girl, that you had to say the right things, uh, that you had to behave. And in many times when we spoke up, you might have even been told you were too much. So the thought of building a career where you can express yourself freely brings up a lot of fear for people as adults. And there's usually three fears that keep people stuck. It is the fear of loss, the fear of the loss of income if you left that well-paying but unfulfilling job. There is the fear of loss of approval from parents, from partners, from your peer groups. There's also the fear of doing the work. You know, any next level that you want to get to in your life, anything that you want to create is going to require you to skill up. You've got to learn new skills along the way. And many people are afraid, well, what if I screw it up? What if I don't get it right perfectly the first time? And of course, the third fear that keeps everybody stuck is the fear of the outcome. What if I put my heart and soul into this new project and it doesn't work? Or what if I get everything I wanted and I'm no happier? I want to get you out of that mindset this week and show you that, yes, it is possible for you to fully be yourself, for you to be at the highest level of self-expression and get paid to do it. 
I'm going to introduce you to my friend of 25 years, Patrick Hines, and I met in an audition line for the World's Worst Student-Directed Musical when we were back in college, but uh, we both come a long way since then. Patrick today is the founder of the Obsessed Network, a podcast network for the true crime obsessed. You probably also know him as the host of True Crime Obsessed. It's a comedy podcast that recaps true crime documentaries with humor, sass, heart, and just the right amount of snark. How successful has Patrick been as a podcast host? True Crime Obsessed has gone on an international tour doing live shows, and they were the first podcast to actually play on Broadway. Some of the topics that we're going to discuss in this interview are creating the product that you want to exist in the world. That was the catalyst that got Patrick out of hospitality and into podcasting. We're also going to talk today about the power of the pivot and how sometimes you have to let go of what's successful and comfortable in order to create something extraordinary. If you've ever struggled with your own confidence when it comes to pursuing your dreams, we'll discuss having certainty in your eventual success without being certain of how to get there. Patrick's going to talk about rejection and how not getting into the musical theater program at Emerson College turned out to be divine redirection that was moving him in the direction of his destiny. You're going to love the story about how pursuing his passion has led him to a debt-free life and the big decision that he made after three glasses of wine a couple months ago. And he has some tremendous wisdom uh, at the end, and we're going to talk about doing the thing that is hard and how it eventually makes everything else in your life easy. If you love the interview this week, be sure to let Patrick and I know. You can screenshot the podcast, upload it to Instagram and Twitter. You can tag him at Patrick Hines, and you can find me at CSC Dan Mason. And if you are lit up and inspired at the end of this interview, and I truly think you will be, if it's inspired you to want to bring your dreams to life in 2021 and you'd like some support to make that happen, I have a brand new coaching option that literally works for anybody's budget. Coming up in January, we are launching the Amplified Monthly Coaching Membership. It's a chance for you to work with me during a two-hour class on the first Monday of each month. I'm going to give you all the frameworks, the advanced strategies, and the habits to help you create your next level at work, at home, and in life. Now, each of these calls includes a live Q&A with me, so there'll be some hot seat coaching, plus additional support. When you join the Amplified Monthly Coaching Membership, you're also also going to get three live Q&As per month in a private Facebook group. So I'll be there each week to help you overcome obstacles, protect your joy, and build an unbreakable mindset so you can stay aligned with your goals. And perhaps the best thing about this monthly coaching membership is the community. If you want to create more hope in 2021, well, you got to run with hopeful people. So you're going to have an inspiring tribe of like-minded badasses like you who are going going to be there in your corner to support you even on the days when you don't believe in yourself. There is so much power in that social learning. It's included in the Amplified Monthly Coaching Membership, which by the way, special holiday price, you can enroll today for $99 a month with a three-month commitment, or you can do a one-time investment of $999 for the entire year. So that's a special holiday price you're grandfathered in for the life of the program if you sign up today. If you want more info, go to my website, creativesoulcoaching.net. In the meantime, 
Let's get into this week's interview. You're going to learn how to get paid to be authentically you with our guest, Patrick Hines on Life Amplified. He is the prime minister of true crime podcasting, and he is a friend of 25 years. Patrick Hines, welcome to Life Amplified, buddy. Oh, hello. The prime minister. I love it. I love it. Yeah, you got promoted today. Congratulations. I, well, thank you so much. I would have staged a coup, but I, I, it's being done so much better. I could never live up to what's actually happening in the world right now. If anybody is listening today and they have had the experience of just ever in the back of their mind going, you know what? I could write a book. I could start a podcast. Hey, I, I could be on TV. I could I could express myself and be seen and heard in the world. And then immediately went to the point where they said, well, I could never make a living doing that. Uh, Patrick is going to give you a lot of inspiration today. Let's talk about your journey. Life for you after college is pretty good. You got your degree. You landed a job at a major cable TV network. Mm-hmm. And like so many people who get all the things that they thought that they wanted when they're 21, you realized this ain't it. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's really true. I mean, it had been such a blessing. You know, it's like I, I feel like your podcast is a safe space to talk about all of these truths where like I wanted so badly to be in the musical theater program at Emerson. And then it ended up being such a blessing that I was that I wasn't, you know, mm. And and then, you know, I, I, it turned out to be such a great opportunity for me to be in Boston and really do internships. And like when you're willing to work for free, you know, people are and, and you have like gumption and you want to you really want to succeed. If you can get into those great places, you know, like I worked at um, Kiss 108, which is one of the biggest radio stations in the Northeast. And then I worked at the NBC affiliate and, and you know, I'm doing it for free. I'm working a ton of hours, but. You know, it was such a it was such great preparation for like life after that, you know. And um, yeah, I got hired at CNBC. I applied for the NBC page program, which if you guys don't know what that is, think Kenneth from uh, from 30 Rock. Yes, like, <laughs> that's the program that I applied for. I really thought I was a shoe in for it. And I didn't get it. I um, I remember I took like a 2.30 a.m. bus from Boston to come down and like be at Rockefeller Center for my interview. I was a con- total disheveled mess. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I didn't get that job, but I, I later more professionally interviewed for a job at CNBC and got that. And I was so excited and I moved to New York and it was, you know, like financial news, like nothing in the world beyond like sports casting is a <laughs> less good fit for me. Uh, and so I ended up doing that job for a year, and then I, I quit to sort of pursue my, my creative dreams. So let's talk about that, because you even had some success there, too. You've published a couple books. I think a lot of people listening today think that book publishing is this super profitable thing, but that's... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it can be. I don't mean to laugh. Like, you know, if you if you can hit it big in, in book pub- you know, like I think about Lauren Weisberger, who wrote, sure. you know, Devil Wears Prada. Like, she didn't have anything really published before that, and she knocked it out of the park on her first try. But, you know, no, I, I was really interested in LGBTQ history. I was, you know, living in New York City, and I was in the West Village a lot, which is like where all of that history is and I started just kind of started collecting it and then that was what I wanted to sort of write about mm-hmm. um, but you know that world <laughs> that if you can imagine it's not a super lucrative field of you know study to be writing books in and so I worked really hard I got a couple of books published uh, but no I did not make a dime doing that so, so as you're in this battle of, of trying to 
give your art to the world, but also enjoy the commerce and, and make a living. You were drifting in and out of some other jobs at that point. If you can find a way to like to work in the hospitality field and make it work for what you're actually trying to do, then the hospitality field is we are very lucky that it exists. And it's a really sad state of affairs in the world right now that, you know, you know, with the with COVID and the pandemic that people can't, you know, those people rely on those jobs. And that's what I did. I started out as a bar back at a restaurant that had been like the hottest restaurant in New York, like in the 90s. And I came in in the year 2000, like right at the very tail end of it. Um, And I kind of just worked my way up from there i i became a bartender i really enjoyed it that was the other thing like i'm a very social outgoing person i love being around people and that's what i did you know while i was writing my books i was bartending at night and writing all day and you know the hospitality field can be a little bit of a trap too because you make good money and you make great friends and it's hard and you're up late and so you know you can slip into that world of like i'm just gonna go out for drinks after work. And when you live in New York that, you know, bars are open until four in the morning. And then suddenly, you know, you really have to fight to balance it and make sure that you're doing the thing that you're setting out to do. But if you can do that, you know, the hospitality field is a great way to make your other goals happen. What was your level of life fulfillment? Like how on fire did you wake up every day in that life? Okay. So you felt great about that. Yeah, this is not like an I'm an awesome person thing. I'm not saying that at all. But that's how I wake up every day, basically. Like, I wake up and I jump out of bed every single morning. I'm always really eager to start the day. It is one of the, like, I'm never going to have six-pack abs. Instead, Jesus gave me that. So (laughs) I have really tried to maximize that. And I've had success with it. But yet, at the same time, there must have been some deeper yearning to express yourself in a greater way, you know, or or you wouldn't have made this leap to where you're at. So what was the moment you're comfortable, the bills are paid, you have friends, you're doing well in hospitality, your books are getting published. When is the minute that you say, you know what, there's something bigger within me I want to express, there's something I want to share with the world I, I want to expand. It happened kind of early. I, I wrote, uh, I was writing like like magazine pieces, you know, in the early 2000s when I was writing my books as well. And the first thing I ever really had published was a, a an article in a magazine called Frontiers Magazine in San Francisco. And I remember I was so excited to get that contract. And I was like weeks and weeks working on the piece. And then the piece came out. And I like went and picked up the magazine at the newsstand, like in between my bartending shifts. Like I like I was working a double that day. And that was the day that I was like, okay, this isn't gonna work forever. Like I'm definitely going to have to figure out how to make my voice heard and make that my job. But I did come in and out of it. I mean, you know, when I realized that writing wasn't like so fulfilling. I did lean into my bartending career and then I discovered podcasts as a form of entertainment like in 2009 and and sort of started making podcasts as a hobby. And what really happened was I just fell hard in love with podcasts in a way I've never really fallen in love with anything. You know, like I was never like a movies guy or like even a books person or podcasting just like really spoke to me on every level. And I started making podcasts and I started making a little money making podcasts, but I was I wasn't anywhere near making a living or, or having any idea really how to do it. And then I started making a different podcast that was pretty successful. We 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 had a lot of listeners and and I I was changing jobs at the same time and I, I got a job that I thought I was gonna really like and I didn't and I ended up getting laid off. And that was the moment where 
I got laid off from my job. I thought my husband was going to kill me. Uh, and instead he said, you know, I think this is it. I think, right. I think now you need to focus on podcasting and see if you can make a living doing it. And we were okay. He, we were comfortable enough. He had a goodish job and we could afford to take that risk for a couple of months and, and really see if I could do it. And I went for it. And, you know, here I am now, you know, a few years later, like, and it is my job and I have a whole business doing it. And, you know, it, it was really, I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't lost that job. I, that was in the moment, it was the most terrifying thing I could imagine. And it worked out to be the catalyst for exactly what I, what needed to happen. I, I remember the story for me of being like, you know, year 18 into my radio career and being mm-hmm. so miserable and so unfulfilled. And I had this idea in the back of my mind that maybe I could help people. I wanted to start a coaching business. And it's so funny because I literally came home on a Friday night. I had three glasses of wine because that's how I coped back then. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember buying my web domain. And I didn't know how to build a website. I didn't know how I'd yeah. ever find clients. I didn't have paying clients. And literally the following Monday, I went into work and I found myself out of a job. <laughs> like, oh my god! Yeah, like it's. I think there is that moment when the universe will tell, yeah. will push you and tell you to go. But I, I want to backtrack just a little bit and not glance over this because your first version at podcasting was pretty successful in its own right in terms of listenership, even if it wasn't a big money maker for you. You had started out doing a theater podcast interviewing Mm -hmm. actors, correct? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, podcasting is so different now, especially during the pandemic, where, like, literally Amazon.com ran out of podcasting microphones. Like, that's millions. And, like, everybody is making a podcast right now. I so encourage it. The world is wide enough. Everyone, Everyone make your podcast. But back then... You know, not that many people were doing it, and it was not nearly as easy. Like, now it's all very streamlined, and I had absolutely no education in audio, in any, like, the internet. Like, you know, I checked my email, and that was about, I got on Facebook. That was about what I knew how to do. So, you know, figuring out how to, like, get a podcast, how to even record a podcast and then edit it and get it onto a a hosting platform, all of that was just so foreign to me. But I don't think there was any other theater podcast. I had been inspired by this one theater podcast he stopped making it. I thought somebody else would keep doing it because it was so good. Nobody did. And that was what I literally started making that podcast because I wanted it to exist. Um, and it took off. I mean, it did pretty well. You know, I mean, as far as like Broadway podcasts go, it's Broadway is like the same size community. It feels like as like the LGBTQ community. So there's only so much audience there, you know. And so I sort of learned quickly that I, if I was going to make a living as a podcaster, it wouldn't be making Broadway podcasts. And that was when I, I was like. I really love true crime. I think there might be room for me in the true crime space, which was already really crowded. But there wasn't, you know, some big screaming queen in there screaming about true crime. And so I was like, maybe people will like that, you know? And so I went for it. So many people get stuck from taking the next level in their life because they're afraid to let go of what they have in order to get the thing that could be. Was there fear for you? Because you did have a big following. I I mean, I even remember, like, just my friends who were into theater. Here I was working in radio, hanging out with, like, Ed Sheeran and Taylor Swift. And my friends were like, wait, you know Patrick Hines? That's crazy. I'm like, yeah, we were in a terrible musical together years ago. But... 
Was there any trepidation about leaving something where you, you had your niche, you knew that people liked it, and taking this risk to move into a much more crowded field? You were a big fish in a small pond in, yeah. the, in theater podcasting. What comes up for you when it's time to take this next level? Was there a lot of fear? Was there self-doubt? Was there uncertainty? It wasn't that. I mean, I really loved making theater people, and it helped me establish my voice. It helped me learn how to make podcasts. It really brought, like, really special people into my life, and I love the Broadway community. I was pretty certain that whatever – how do I say this without sounding like a total terrible person? That kind of, like, whatever I was going to do was going to work because no matter – I wouldn't stop until it did work, you know? Mm. It, not not because I'm a genius or I'm brilliant or anything like that. Just I'm relentless. Like, that. that is the word. I am relentless. So I knew that if I – if I went into making a true crime podcast, I would make it work eventually. How much suffering would come along with that? How poor would I have to be? How much is my husband going to murder me for not having a real job? Like those thoughts were definitely there. When it came to leaving theater people, it was an identity thing. It was, I am really well established in this world. People know me. I was getting to meet cool Broadway actors and like getting to be in that world. And, you know, being considered part of the Broadway community was a very important thing to me. And, and I really, I sort before I decided I wanted to make a living as a podcaster, I sort of thought that would be my identity forever. And so letting go of theater people was hard because I didn't know how I didn't know if I'd be able to make a name for myself in true crime the way I'd made a name for myself in theater. And it was like this letting go of this identity that I built. And it was very similar to when I was at Emerson and I didn't get into the acting program. And then I, you know, but I went to the school anyway. And then I auditioned again at the end of my freshman year and didn't get in again. And I was so sad for about 30 seconds. And then I remember thinking like, all right, on to the next, like, what's next? You know, like, now I don't have to do this. Now I don't have to starve. Now I don't have to, like, move to New York if I don't want to. I can live anywhere. I can have a family. I remember thinking those things, like, really just sort of accepting that, like, my my life was going to be different than what I thought it was going to be, but that it was still going to be great. Well, yeah, and you just said a key word that we've talked a lot about on this podcast in terms of building resilience and, and coming back from any setback or taking a next level, acceptance. I think yeah. so many people sort of get caught up when things don't work out the way they want, auditioning for a theater program, not getting in, auditioning a second time, not getting in. But a lot of people would use that to fuel stories of I'm not enough, nothing works out for me. And what I'm hearing you say is just accepting this is what it is. I can't change it. Where am I going to go from here? Always, you know, like that, that's always, that's always my thought. And even in success, I have that, you know, I have this thing that my husband and I talk about all the time where I have this metaphor that I sort of like came up in my brain, you know, a decade ago where when I was a kid, we had these woods behind my house and my siblings and my friends in the neighborhood and I, we loved to like make tree houses and we would like, you know, spend a week like getting the wood and getting the nails and building the tree house. It was so fun. And then the tree house is built and then it's like, oh, well, this well, this sucks. Like, now what? You know? And so I have this metaphor called, like, living in the treehouse, which is, like, that is, to me, like, that is the scariest thing, but also, like, <laughs> I'm learning in therapy something that, that should also be a goal, that, like, you build something successful and then you enjoy the success of it, and I have a really hard time with that. I never want to stop. 
Tell me a little bit more about that. Where, like, has that been an issue for you? Just taking time to appreciate what you've built and totally. and allowing yourself to just live in the moment before yeah. slaying the next dragon. Yeah, I I don't know how to do that. Like, I've achieved a lot of success in my field, and I still think that sometimes I make it harder because I feel like it should be harder, which is not to say it's been easy at all. But, you know, I am a person, I work, most of my work days are 12-hour work days. I work, you know, six or seven days a week. I also have, like, a loving husband and a six-year-old daughter. And my work-life balance is way out of whack. But, you know, I love my job. I love my family. I'm lucky that I own my own business. So my family, you know, we they can be here with me as much as they want to be. But, yeah, it's a major – it is a major problem for me. Like I, I was saying earlier that I'm relentless, and that has really served me in, in achieving success. But it doesn't stop. Like when you when you finally make enough money or you finally get that enough downloads or you feel like you have enough listeners or you feel like, well, for True Crime Obsessed, we're going to be the first podcast to play Broadway. Like we booked Broadway, you know. But it's never it's like once that once that uh achievement is accomplished it's like well what's the what now how do i outdo that you know you had mentioned something earlier about not allowing it to be easy and that's another thing that i see come up with people is there any part because i know i've been guilty of this in the past and when i find that i'm complicating my life or my business it's usually because there's this piece of me that's like well if i'm not working hard then this isn't valuable. Yeah, <laughs> it's, totally. I think that that's like a childhood programming for a lot of us, that somehow yeah. the value is not so much in the finished product, but in the blood, the sweat, the tears, the, the, yep. the beating ourselves up over it. The exhaustion. I remember like for years, people used to always talk about how busy they were. And then there was like the backlash against talking about how busy you were. Like that was a bad thing. And I remember being like, yeah, that's terrible. And being like, no, I love saying how busy I am. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I love it. It shows you how important I am, you know? And like, and those are the, those are the demon thoughts that I don't really mean, but I do kind of mean, you know, like it would be doing a disservice to, to, to like, sit here and say like I did it you know and like it now it's all easy and I've got myself figured out like no I'm still the same mess I just make more money you know <laughs> and speaking of that you have to tell the story about the student loans and just having a couple glasses of wine one night and being in a position where you just decided you were paying off everything. Yeah. I mean, my husband will murder me for telling this story, but like I grew up really poor, you know, like I, I told you, I think the other day, like I grew up in government subsidized housing. My mom was a single parent, one of four kids. You know, I went to Emerson. I never, I mean, I just had bad guidance all the way through. I never should have been allowed to go to Emerson and take out the loans that I took out to go there. But somehow I did. And I came out of college like $70,000 in debt and I you know when I got that job at CNBC I was making $500 a week um, before taxes I think and so I was broke and so you know like now having achieved like podcasting has been a surprisingly lucrative career for me and it's been a weird adjustment to that to going from being poor to being not poor and and so you know my husband and I this was a this was a couple months ago like we I used to always say in the beginning when we really started making money I was like we should pay off our student loans because if all of this goes away tomorrow and we have the opportunity to do that and we didn't do that like I will never forgive myself and we didn't do it and we didn't do it we were being cautious and we were saving money and we were you know like putting away every penny that we made and one day we had a friend over this was pre pre pre-covid we had a friend over 
and we were drinking wine and we were talking about our student debt and we were, I mean, I was still like $40,000 in debt. And my friend, and my husband was like, I don't know, 15, $20,000 in debt. And our friend goes, I dare you to pull out your phones and pay off your debt right now. And we're like, <laughs> all right, all right, we're doing it. And we did. And we had the money and, and like, I never take it for granted and I'm very grateful. And, but like, I, you know, like I'm like to live a debt-free life now doing a job that I love. That is, that is something I never thought was possible. You mentioned something interesting too, like with this thought talking to your husband about, Hey, if all this success goes away and we don't do this, is that also something that you think drives you in terms of with the working constantly is that fear yes. that because you grew up less, you know, we'll say less well off, or you grew up struggling? You could say poor. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Cool. Uh, but because <laughs> because your family struggled growing up, that there's yeah. a fear that somehow you'll revert back to that. It's more like I work in the entertainment field, sure. you know, essentially, and 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 I like there's a little bit of like a strike while the iron is hot, you know, situation, and so there's that. I mean. I've been poor and I've been not poor and being not poor is better. You know, like I just like who wants to go back to being poor, you know? And so there is an element of work, 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 but that's only one part of it. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, like I love this field. I love podcasting. I love it so much. And I, and I love that, like, I love that I've been able to, you know, sort of make a name for myself in this world. And I, and I want to continue to do that. And I want to, you know, I want to help other podcasters. It's one of the reasons why I started a podcast network. I want to find, you know, like the voices that I think need amplification and do that. And, you know, I want to keep, you know, meeting my heroes in this field and, and, and be worthy of their respect. And so there's a lot of different reasons why I'm also, I'm also just like that. Like I'm the kid that when I was 14, I had three jobs, you know, that's kind of just the way that I've always been. You said something important because I was going to ask you what drives you to continue and what keeps you up. What I really hear you talking about is now that you have sort of paved this way for yourself, it's about helping others and expanding a network and finding those other voices. In terms of you right now is you've even our mutual friend, Ellen Marsh, who has been on this podcast before for different reasons, um, Mm -hmm. is you're finding these other people and and you're including them in the podcast space. What's that experience like? What is what is emotionally? What's the payoff in, in being able to share the wealth with others? It's really interesting because I'm making podcasts now with people that I really respect, like Ellen, who's one of my very best friends, you know, and and uh, so like that's amazing. You know, Ellen is a very, as you know, a very successful Broadway actor and their industry is like dead right now. So it's great to be able to bring. I've always wanted to do something like this with her and she's just she's perfect at it. So to bring her into this world and give her something to do. She, by the way, has like she is thriving in this world. She, you know, she came into this as like into the podcasting space from Broadway. And now she's like a famous podcaster. People love like her better than me. It's, it's amazing to see that happen. Well, Um, we can't have that. She must be destroyed. She's on notice. She's (laughs) on notice to be less fun and less interesting. Talk about the sliding doors version of this. You have built a career that essentially is pandemic proof, which not many people can say that. What is the alternate reality when it, when you have that urge that says, you know what, I could do this. I don't know how to do it. I don't know the technology. I don't know how to edit a podcast. I don't know audio. 
If you would let all the fears and all the stories stop you, where's your life at today, 11 or 12 years later than when you started? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. I think that, I think personally, my life would be pretty similar. Like, I would be married to Steve and I'm sure that we still would have had Daisy, and I think that I would still be working in hospitality. I think right now in the pandemic, Lord only knows where I would be because so many of my friends who work in hospitality are out of work right now. It's a really, really scary time for that business. But, like, COVID aside, I think that, like, I would just be living a normal life. I would just be, you know, making my, you know, we'd be middle class people, like, you know, going to work, doing our jobs, raising our kid. And that's totally fine. It's what you were talking about earlier. I definitely am one of those people who like needed to have my voice out there. I needed to have a wider audience. I needed to be able to meet people and, you know, say things, not just to my friends. Like I needed, you know, that's why when, you know, that's why I was a writer. And then when podcasting became a thing, I became a podcaster. Like I really needed my voice out there. So I imagine I would be frustrated. I imagine that I would be happy in a lot of ways and frustrated in a lot of ways and not living my best life, I think. And I think that that's relatable for everybody. There's a lot of people who have that that inner pull that they want their voice to be heard. They know that they have something to contribute, an idea Uh, a piece of art, a message within them that they want to share with the world. Usually what I find in my coaching practice, it's the fear of rejection. It's the fear Mm -hmm. of, well, what if people hear my voice and I'm not professional enough? Or what if I say the wrong thing? Or what if I'm just deluding myself and I put this out there and people hate it? What was that experience like for you? I'm sure at some point with your social media profile, you've had the haters show up. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Like, is there was there an experience early on, early in the podcasting where somebody just reached out and said something awful to you? And did you ever have that question? You know, I've always been really good about, like, not reading the comments, not reading the iTunes reviews. Like, True Crime Obsessed, my my True Crime podcast, has over 25,000 reviews on iTunes, and I've read four of them. Like, I... I don't do that because not because they not because I take it personally. It just makes me mad because I know how hard we work. So, you know, most of the most of the reviews are very positive, but you read the negative ones and it's it's a lot. I mean, part of part of what I have been blessed with is that I cannot be anything other than who I am. Right. My voice sounds not like your usual radio voice. Uh, I sound very gay. I act very gay. And I think that like. When I was making theater people, it wasn't that I was ever trying to tamp that down, but I was trying to be more professional. It wasn't about me. You know, as a podcast consumer, when I listen to an interview show, I want to hear the guest. I don't. So when I was making theater people as the interviewer, I tried to not be as as much of a presence. And it was fine and it was good, but it, it was not me being my, it wasn't me uh, sharing my voice the way that I ultimately really wanted mm. to and needed to. And so when I started making True Crime Obsessed and I just from from episode one made the decision to be my fully authentic self, that was where I found success. That was what made it. And I don't I, I don't mean to take credit for it myself. Jillian, my 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 partner, is just so beyond genius and hilarious and just so perfect at that show. But my part of it was like just being who I am. And that's the thing I always tell people about podcasting. Whenever anybody asks me about 
you know, how to make a podcast, how to make a successful podcast. There's, there's no f- magic formula, but what the thing that like, I always think is the most important is to just be authentic. Everybody knows something, one thing better than everybody else. Go do that, make that podcast, you know, or if you don't sound professional or you don't think that you are whatever it is, you just have to be yourself. That's what people want to hear in their ears. You know, I can relate to that. People tried to get me to create like a personal development podcast for a year before I ever uh-huh. had the balls to be like, well, yeah, I'm going to do this. Yeah. But I remember being in those stories of because I wasn't a brand. I'm not Tony Robbins or I, right, I certainly right. wasn't back then. You know, I didn't have a following and there was a big part of me that was like, well, who am I? Like, who cares what I have to say? And and how would I ever book, you know, like all these authors and guests? They don't know who I am. And one of the things that I realized early on in the podcast run is I, re- I released the first like four episodes all at once. Yeah. And three of them were guests and one of them was a solo episode with me just talking about my story and about the things that I had learned by leaving corporate America. And for all these celebrities, best-selling authors that I had, the podcast that got the most downloads that people resonated with was me talking about the journey out of corporate America. And I was in all those same stories that nobody cares and I think yeah. that that was just all rooted in like childhood. Like I, you know, I was sort of grew up a lonely kid and was always in that mindset of, yeah, nobody cares what you have to say. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know exactly what you mean, and and I think that like when you said like, who am I? You know, my immediate response to that is like, well, that's not the right question. That's the wrong question. I don't know what the right question is, but that's not it. It's not like who am I? Why? Why would anybody want to listen to me? It's more. Like, what do I have to say? You know, like, what do I have to offer? You know, and like, and that's, that's what I've always found about like, you know, even like to bring, like, even just to talk about podcasting for a second, like whenever anybody's like, well, there's a billion podcasts, I really want to make one, but like, how will I stand out? And that's where I say, you stand out just by being you. You see, like you, you, you stand out by doing it differently, authentically, you know, like that for me, that has been that is what I always come back to. That is the thing that that is my bread and butter is that there's nobody like me. Somebody else can make the exact same podcast as me, the exact same format, but it would be different because they're not me. Absolutely. You know, it's worth mentioning, like for all the fear people have about, well, what if people reject what I'm doing or what if they think it's not good enough or what if I get criticized? I mean, I look at people like Oprah Winfrey, who've spent her entire life like trying to lift people up and people are like, what they intend behind it, what they try to say is she's a fraud, she's a phony. And this is a woman who's done nothing but try to lift people up. I'm like, literally, the Bible has one-star reviews on Amazon. (laughs) Like, Right, exactly. You don't need everybody to love you. You just need to say something that makes enough of a difference in enough people's lives that you stand out. And, you know, it's like that idea of, like, being... Do you want to be like, you know, 10 people's favorite thing or, you know, 100 million people's thousandth favorite thing? <laughs> totally. And it's also like, you know how like how like cows will die if you don't milk them? Like, if that's how you feel about like having something to say and getting it out there, like if I don't live a life where I am doing that, I am going to die. That's mm. how you know you have to do it. That is that is absolutely how I have felt my whole entire life, you know? And I, and I went about trying to make my voice heard in so many different ways, from theater when I was a kid and trying to do it when I was in college, to writing, to a 
eventually to podcasting and podcasting was the one that worked, you know, but that's, I, I mean, I do think that there is a component of like needing to feel that way. Cause it is hard, you know, it is like, if you are going to do, if you are going to live this life of trying to be your own boss and make your own way and make your voice heard, it's difficult. It has to be something that you have to do. Uh, one other question I wanted to ask you about, you started out with this podcast back in the theater people days as a hobby, mm-hmm. and now you've turned it into a full-fledged business that requires a lot of skilling up and a lot of learning things that you didn't know before and being perpetually uncomfortable. What are the things that you've had to learn along the way that you never thought you would have had to learn? And, and how do you tackle sort of like living out of that comfort zone of doing a lot of things that you don't know how to do, at least at first? I mean, so many things like number one, you know, I surround myself in my business with people who know how to do the things I don't know how to do. You know, it's very much about like knowing what I don't know and finding the people who know that and and bringing them in. And, you know, honestly, the hardest part of that is finding the people. It's it's hard to find people. And, and within the business, sort of knowing my own like limitations and what I'm good at. I am not a good manager. So, you know, my husband and I have this business together. And so we have a lot of people that work with us and I don't manage them because I am not good at that. I let him do that. You know, within the podcasting world, being being a person that people know now, it is a little bit of like faking it until you make it. I guess it's a little bit of like, you know, when you get invited to speak at things, you have to believe that you deserve that. Uh, when you get in, when you're asked for a quote for the New York Times, you have to say something smart and believe that you deserve it to be there. You know, it is it is a lot of like rising to the occasion, you know, and then it's the little things of like time management that I'm terrible with organization that I'm terrible with. If you look at my inbox, I have like nine over 9,000 unread emails. It is constantly for me, like trying to jump on a moving train, you know? And so it is a, a lot of asking for help, a lot of delegating, a lot of like that stuff. And also learning like that, that's not really fun. Like I really like making podcasts. I don't really like running a business, you know? It's it's a bit of like doing the hard stuff that isn't fun, and you just do that first. You know, you do that with like when you get to the office first thing because it's the thing you like the least. Yeah, and and I would imagine at some point you had to do those things that weren't fun to build the business enough to now being at a point where you don't have to. Yeah, and even so, it's it's a, it's especially tricky now with pandemic and people working from home, and we have employees I've literally never met in person. Uh, which is so bizarre. We moved into our new offices on March 1st. Can you imagine? Wow. Um, yeah. And, and the reason we upgraded to this big office suite with different rooms and they, you know, I wanted to create a work environment for people that felt comfortable and inviting where they felt creative. And because I know that I'm not a great manager, but I'm a good inspirer in some ways. Sure. And I thought if we could all be together, then we would all feed off each other's energy, you know? And so to not have that now, but to still have to like inspire people over Zoom is a very, it's a big challenge for me. It's kind of learning as you go. And this isn't about podcasting. For the person listening today who is creatively stuck, they are the cow who is not being milked. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Which could take on a lot of different meanings, but we won't go there. (laughs) I'm like, oh, single man in a pandemic. I'm not, never mind. Um, (laughs) For the person 
who is creatively not being milked, who is still slogging away in the work-from-home culture, attending the Zoom calls, managing the family, managing remote learning, and they have not made time to just commit to doing the thing, writing the book, starting the podcast, starting the YouTube channel. What would you share? What could you share with them today on why they need to start and what's the best way to start? I mean, you know, I know so many people in this position and the the why is because it will make everything else that's hard in your life right now easier. Hmm. I remember when I was making theater people and it was hard to do it because I had a full-time job, a family, blah, blah, blah. I remember as hard and as frustrating as it was to make myself work on it every day, it was the thing I looked forward to, the thing that I leaned on, the thing that made me feel like I was like I was contributing creatively, like I like I, my creative soul wasn't dead. So that's the why. The why is even if it's hard, it will make everything else in your life easier. I love that. Yeah, and the how is I mean, you know, you have to this is ridiculous what I'm going to say. You have to be realistic and not realistic at all at the same time, which is to say you have to believe that this is a thing that can be your job eventually. But you have to also not demand that of yourself today. You know, you you, you do one thing a day where you're working on it. You know, then maybe that inspires you to do two things a day. And then maybe that inspires you to do three things a day. And then maybe you figure out if you can go to a four-day work week and now you You've got one full day that you can devote to it. That's how it's 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 getting started. And if you are really meant to be doing it, then you will. Once you start, you're just going to keep going. And then one day you're going to lose your job and your husband's going to tell you that you have to just do this now. And then you'll be ready. And then you'll be three glasses of wine in and you'll pay off your student loans (laughs) in one fell swoop. Exactly. But it's like, just start. That's the, that's the answer to all of it. Just start. And I think, yeah, I, I think so many people are unwilling to be bad at something to, oh in God, order to yes. get good at it. Uh, you know, Ira Glass, somebody look up this quote. Like, Ira Glass has this great quote about how, like, the thing that holds people back is their great taste. That, like, you want the thing that you're making to be as good as the other things in that like the book that you want to write, you want it to be in its first draft as good as the book you're reading right now. And that is the thing, like those are the voices that will hold you back. And it's like, you have to just not listen to that and you have to just keep going and just keep working at it and just keep doing it. It's hard to motivate. It's just, it's hard to motivate. You know, it's like going to the gym. Like, you know, you you never want to do it until you get there and then you're doing it and, and you're so glad you did. It's the same thing. Unless it's leg day, which sucks no matter what. <laughs> but, but I, well, to your point, to your point about the Ira Glass thing and great taste, I would just add to that. I think a lot of times when people are failing to start, it's not really the great taste. It's fear masquerading as great taste. Uh-huh. It's the fear of what if I do it and it doesn't work? What will people think? What will people say? What's the reaction going to be? And so it ends up in this thing of perfectionism, but it's actually the world's lowest standard because nothing's ever going to be perfect. And God, and like, I mean, I live that every single day. I mean, I make, you know, I make a handful of podcasts. We produce a bunch more than that. And I'm like, is it a B plus? It is good to go. You know, like 
it's you know we fully embody the whole whatever that expression is not letting the you know perfect be the enemy of the good my friend this was such a great conversation and i think that this is really going to move the meter for somebody who has uh that needs to be milked in 2021 yeah. get milked you guys get milked. <laughs> uh true crime obsessed you can listen to it on any podcast platform you have like 17 other podcasts would you like to would you like to promote any of those <laughs> you can find all the shows we make at obsessednetwork.com. Um, if you're a fan of Ellen Marsh's, if you've heard her episode of Dan's podcast, we make a show called Obsessed with Disappeared. Uh, we recap episodes of IDs Disappeared, but mostly we just read each other to filth. <laughs> My friend, it's so good to talk to you. Thank you for doing this you today. Too. I, know you got a lot of, I know you got a lot on your plate, but this means a lot. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to do this. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So many great takeaways and bits of wisdom from that interview. I'll tell you all the way back at the beginning, that idea of Patrick is a guy who just manages his energy and vibration. Did you notice that he didn't wait until he was living his dream and creating a profitable podcast business before he woke up each day with excitement about the day ahead? It's actually generating that energy that's made him so generative and helped him build everything that he's created in his life. I think that's a really powerful takeaway for you that you can't, you know, live in a state of depression and hope that that leads you to inspiration. We want to get you inspired in the present. Did you also hear when he talked about just always having that confidence in himself that he would figure it out, that he would make this podcast successful, even if he had no idea on how to do it? There's you know tremendous wisdom in there and letting go of the how and just honoring your desires and taking the next step in front of you. And also this idea of rejection. We're all going to go through it in our lifetime. You've got to be able to make friends with it and trust that any rejection is just divine protection. You are being pivoted away from what doesn't serve you so that you can move in the direction of your dreams and of your destiny. And again, my favorite moment in that interview was when he shared, doing the thing that is hard is what will make everything else in your life easy. Doing the hard work of launching that theater podcast 10 years ago is what set him up for a debt-free life and created an experience where he could just pay off his student loans in one fell swoop. What would be the impact on you financially in your happiness and how you show up in your relationships if you just committed to doing the thing that was hard and trusted that everything else would become easy? So appreciate Patrick taking the time to be on the podcast this week. Make sure you check out the True Crime Obsessed podcast. And if you loved what you heard this week, screenshot the podcast, upload it to Instagram or Twitter. You can tag Patrick at Patrick Hines, and you can find me at CSC Dan Mason. Don't forget more coaching options than ever at every budget and price point to help you move forward and take those scary steps toward your purpose in 2021. I've got some spots open right now for one-on-one private coaching and don't forget the Amplified Monthly Coaching Membership kicks off with our first class January 4th. So you're going to be getting high-level training from me on the first Monday of every month, weekly Q&A support in a private Facebook group, and an awesome community to support you every step of the way. So get in on that early bird price, $99 a month. You're grandfathered in for the lifetime of the program. CreativeSoulCoaching.net 
is where you get info on that. Thank you so much for taking this time this week to be with me. Uh, It's an honor to serve you. And don't forget, turn down the volume on your negativity. Turn up the volume on your purpose so you can live Life Amplified. I'll talk to you next week.